Welcome to Deep Well Astrology. I'm Allison Disler, a psychological astrologer and somatic educator. And in this podcast, we'll explore how astrology can illuminate our embodied consciousness and nourish our soul. Hello, we are here in March of 2023. This turnover action month with about 20 days till the spring equinox. It's March 2nd, 2023. The sun already in Pisces and Mercury and Saturn moving there soon. We've also got or just coming out of a Venus conjuncting Jupiter and Aries. And if we think broadly of Venus as the planet of desire, and also what we want, what we desire, that planet of relationships, and Jupiter as the expanding principle, both being in Aries here at the start of the month, it gives us a spicy, fiery, if not bold action or statement with some of those themes of desire, relationships, and going for what we want or initiating action. And Aries is definitely a sign that is prone to act and sometimes without too much belaboring thought. So this direct action potential. And yet here we are otherwise in Pisces season. So perhaps this Venus-Jupiter kind of foreshadowing the emergence of spring as we're heading towards that equinox time. I like to think of the equinox as a kind of balancing point, both the spring and the autumn equinox. In the spring, it's the balancing point between Aries and Pisces season, or the manifest versus the unmanifest, or the unmanifest before the manifestation. Pisces is like the intuition, or that idea or that knowing that something will emerge, that something at some point will emerge from this cosmic stew or the ocean. Aries is that actual push. So we get to be in this borderland here for a while uh, between the liminal and the threshold of emergence. With Jupiter traveling through Aries this whole spring and even now, I am looking forward to the emergence of spring and also correlating a lot of our early spring emergence, at least here in the Midwest. um, There's already flowers, uh, crocus, daffodils, tulip bulbs, irises, and snowdrops. They've been around. They've already emerged within this last, oh, almost two weeks now. It's a little early for us in this part of the globe. It's also bountiful. On a personal note, check into the houses of Pisces and Aries in your natal chart and just see where they are for you. So what brings you into this time period? Maybe the what will be highlighted as the sun is moving through Pisces. So what houses do Pisces and Aries occupy for you? And for Jupiter's sake, as you look into that house of Aries, Remember, Jupiter is sometimes seen as good fortune or or just good luck or a good omen, but it can also get us in touch with our our excessiveness. So um, 
this idea that Jupiter expands anything that it touches, it doesn't necessarily, it depends on what that's being touched, right? So if there's something that's already inflamed or excessive, Jupiter can touch that and aggrandize that. Um, it can also help give momentum to the things that may need some support. So remember that with Jupiter, there's also that potential for expansion or excess if something's already, um, you know, has a lot of energy in your life. So just see what Jupiter might come in contact with as it continues to travel through Aries. So I've been thinking about the best way to divide up the next sections of the talk on astrology and embodiment. I've been working with the definition of embodiment loosely, but, but informatively, as the conscious and continual process of stewarding a home for the soul so that we may come to understand our true nature. This working, moving definition posits that that embodiment is a continual working process of life. And of course, the conditions of life change. So it's continual and it evolves and changes over time. And this definition also assumes, or at least puts out there, that there is such a thing as the soul or a soul. In other words, some people might like to substitute for soul universal beingness or inner being. Um, so choose a word that fits for you, that represents that energy that is not your character and that is part of you, but not completely all of you, that may have a hold in both the physical and the non-physical Again, that unmanifest and manifest world. So this soul, this this beingness is sort of a bridge or a eternal connection or eternal life, however you want to think of that or whatever word you'd like to use. I think soul is a felt principle of harboring an energy or a beingness that is different from our psychological character strategy. And our psychological strategies or our adaptive self is the self that we have consciously or unconsciously created as a vehicle to navigate reality. Soul, in contrast, just to put it up next to our character strategy, soul is like an eternal or timeless connection to an energy or space other than are linear and temporal day to day. So we can live without conscious cultivation of our soul connection. But I would say for the purposes of our study here, that if we're not doing that, if we're not contemplating that, then we're not really living in the process of embodiment or we're not we're not pursuing that as a pathway. We can be in a human body without engaging with the embodiment process or doing any soul work at all. And um, we can never say what all folks' missions are here for. So it's not to say that folks on the process of embodiment are at any other hierarchical level than somebody else, because we all know people that are consciously on a path of stewarding connection with soul or um, really involved with the spirit. But there are plenty of people that 
um, maybe here doing other work. So I just want to put that out there. So this is not a hierarchy, but it is a way. I think many of us are called into the path of embodiment um, or stewarding the soul. So that's what I'm talking about here. The process of embodiment invites us to steward and tend to our body mind as a home or a vessel for the expression of the soul. And by noticing the contrast in ourselves between what our character strategies are and our own ensoulment process or relationship with our inner being or soul, we have the opportunity to understand our true nature. As a being with many eyes, many character strategies or character voices that can often be seen or represented in our natal chart. So it's like the cast of characters. We all have a bunch of them playing together. And um, some of them like to take center stage. Some of them need to work to develop their voices. So that would be um, all of our character strategies. And we can witness also beyond that, that we have a kind of observational self or a witnessing self that helps to navigate our perception. And that's different than the cast of characters. So through this conscious process of awareness or attunement, we come to create or co-create the world, you know, our experience of the world, our how, our true nature, which is a blend of soul and useful character strategies coupled with an adaptable, flexible physical vessel that is known as a body that's operating in a gravitational field. And we can work with all of these principles or none of them. It's pretty cool. It's really great to put some language to the layers of what we consider to be a self or a, a human process. So take a moment just to think about what we've laid out so far. What else would you add? Or what do you wonder about when you think of the nexus of astrology, psychology, and embodiment? One thing I like about studying the body and astrology is that they are both complex systems that lend themselves well to cross-comparison and continual study. When I cast a chart for my body work clients, I do so not to concretize or explain or categorize my people. Um, rather, this is in order to keep these questions alive. Questions like, can knowing our astrological makeup or natal chart complement us in our life? Can it help us on our journey of embodiment towards an ensouled lifestyle? So I kind of offer that personal study for you too. As we go through rising signs, contemplate if your own rising sign and dominant least dominant elements have co-relation to your experience of being in your body and navigating in the world. And then look around to others and see if these patterns start to emerge for you. I'm starting with Capricorn and Aquarius rising as these are two Saturn ruled signs and we are here at this tail end of our three-year Saturn cycle in Aquarius, and it was the tail end before that of Saturn and Capricorn, so six years of Saturn. So if you are a Capricorn or Aquarius rising, your planetary ruler is Saturn, and astrologically speaking, then we can say things like Saturn 
is the navigator or driver of your natal chart. For purposes of our embodiment talk, we can call this also as the motivator or tone of your observational self, the witness, the one who observes all the dimensions or oversees both character formation and the process of ensoulment. Maybe you like to even think of it as a guardian spirit, so to speak. In most of the forms of psychology I've studied, and even in meditation practices, I've not run across many systems that lift up the idea that the witnessing self, that the observational self, is not without its own particular orientations. That our self, our witnessing self, actually has a way or a tone or a motivational hue to it. In body-mind centering, which is the which is a school developed by Bonnie Brainbridge Cohen, there is a close approximation of this idea as we notice in ourselves what body systems are often coming forward or leading us or presenting at any given moment. And this is a system that kind of approaches this idea of there is a tonal hue that we can cultivate and that we also meet the world with. So, for example, I can approach you and say hello more from my nervous system my organ system, my endocrine system. I can uh, say hello or move through the world in a skeletal or muscular kind of way. So this is that idea of looking at consciousness on many levels, that there is a tone or a, a system that colors our physical manifestation. So perhaps building on this idea that our rising sign and our planetary rulers indicate a kind of tone or attitude or motivation of the witnesser or observational self. In its most simple, a Saturn-ruled rising sign will be centered or motivated, centered around by building, constructing, structuring, making containers, or containing. So go back to your knowledge of Saturn. So what else does Saturn represent, just in real broad language, archetypally? Work, effort, awareness of time, linearity, longevity, mortality. And if you are an Aquarius or Capricorn rising, part of your organizing principle or attitude in so-called reality will be colored by or motivated by this kind of building or structuring attitude. Another word I use for Saturn is, is methodical sometimes. If you have an Aquarius or Capricorn rising, Saturn is your navigator, your captain, your guiding way or spirit or the tone or motivation of your witnessing self. If we remember to use contrast when comparing Saturn ruled signs, we can understand some more about the difference in the witnessing self tone of Aquarius as a fixed air sign ruled by Saturn and Capricorn as a cardinal earth sign ruled by Saturn. So think about that for a minute. We'll go broad once again. Really broadly, Capricorn risings will have more or be more driven or compelled or motivated to initiate or be seen as an initiator. Aquarius is more, in contrast, uh, a persister. It's a fixed modality, more enduring. Other words to consider for Capricorn, initiating builder of containers of earth. For Aquarius rising, persisters, endurers, builders that endure or persist, 
builders of innovative structures, likely more human-centered or perhaps with the focus on humanity or doing something in service to the emerging, innovative, maybe techie future of humanity. doesn't have to be tech, but a lot of our future does involve technology. Both being Saturn-ruled signs indicates building our structures or systems. The planet Saturn rules over the more solid structures of our physical body, like bones, teeth, skeletal system. That's related to Capricorn. And another solid and enduring necessary for life structure is our cardiovascular system. So think of our vascular system. It's interconnected vessels. They're, they're, they're soft and fluid, but they're definitely structured. You don't want to puncture and, you know, unless you have to puncture a vessel to get something in or out, the vascular system is meant to stay closed and to transport fluid. And to me, that really is a manifestation of that symbol of the water bearer. So the water bearer as a sign for Aquarius is the human being that carries the water, but does not spill any water on themselves. So the circulatory system or vascular system is a transport system of fluids. It's very Aquarian. And there's a lot of other uh, ideas around that since most fluids, a lot of fluids of the cardiovascular system, the center point or return place is the heart. And Leo rules the heart, which is the opposite of Aquarius. So that's how Leo and Aquarius kind of work together. So in our vascular system, vessels are or somewhat rigid membranes. They're structures through which the fluid flows. So both the skeletal and cardiovascular systems are body-wide structural units. Bones are the spacers or poles that allow the, quote, tent of our supple body to move and take shape. Vessels are the transport system between limbs and our central organs, so a kind of highway, a traffic flow of nourishment. It might be fun to map these body systems onto your natal chart. So like if you're a Capricorn rising, you can put the skeletal system there as an orientation point and imagine approaching the world in a skeletal way. How would you walk in the world if you were approaching it from your bones, from your skeleton? And how would you look out at the world or work with the incoming information if you were the skeletal system, aware of solidity and aware of the space between things and needing things to be held up and the passage of time, all things associated with bones. So what about your Aquarius rising? If you overlay the cardiovascular system, the circulatory system in your first house, what would it be like or how would you be motivated to see or work in the world from the point of view of this highway, this vascular highway, this interconnected vascular system of fluid transport that is often driven by the breath, by air. Do you think the witnessing consciousness who is more skeletal in nature would move through space or go on a walk in a different way than a witnessing consciousness that is more circulatory by nature? And how would this inform the psychology? Do bones think in the same or the different way than the vascular system of the body? The first house or our rising sign is sometimes said to be the way we interface with the world or see the world or the way that the 
others see us, as in our social persona. And I like the general thought. And to deepen also, what if our rising sign was also indicative of our body system resource or preference in meeting the world? If we consider that all body systems have a particular consciousness, as we might do in body-mind centering or other somatic processes or practices, we might imagine that leading with or witnessing from a particular body system would create a variety of practical and functional ways to move in the world. Most generally, when I work with Saturn-ruled systems or folks with a lot of planetary placements in Capricorn or Aquarius or prominent Saturns, we are working with themes of weight, ground-orientedness, and levels of rigidity, especially in the joints. These elements show up as all kinds of gestures. Sometimes they show up in the whole posture themselves. There's certainly people with more rigid structures than others. Some of us are structures that are hypomobile, in contrast to hypermobile. There are some postures, and we'll just stay with Saturn right now. Here are some examples, but this is not a limited, this is not the end of the list. Chronic locked knees, heavy heel strike, lack of propulsion in the foot, or awareness of the space above the head, toe hinge, um, feeling more drugged down in the earth, stiff ankles, feeling heavy in the body, rigid or dragged down inflexible, overly ground-centered, bulky or earthy in structure, uh, feeling claustrophobic or compressed by the body experience itself, and that these journeys, some of these body journeys or questions or ways also manifest when we have a dominant modality of earth in our chart. So if we're just over earth, just think of that, that, that shows up as bulk and it shows up you know, a resource to that would be like groundedness is such a resource and some of us need to build that. But when we have a lot of Saturn or ground in our chart, often the resource, you know, we can lean on the resource of support. But what we're aiming to look towards or for is either space or sky orientation. So I often bring in working with the rising sign as I'm doing structural integration and sometimes we talk about this in sessions, and sometimes we don't say anything at all about it. Now, just think about this a minute. Can you imagine the difference in the way of a structure from a Capricorn rising who had an elemental dominance of water? So Capricorn rising, Saturn ruled, but their dominant element is water. And then contrast that with a Capricorn rising with an elemental dominance of Earth. So it's almost like you're getting two doses of earth or heaviness in that second example. In the first example, that body structure, you know, water needs a container. So sometimes when we have a Saturn ruled sign, but there's a water uh, dominance that it actually provides itself a nice container for the water. So there's a balance there. It's been my noticing and continued study that with embodiment, it's good to look across all of these features. That's why we introduced them at the beginning, to look at rising sign and planetary ruler 
most dominant element and least dominant element, and then just do a broad sweep of the chart and and see if there's if you're working with and know about planetary dignities or planets that are just in better condition than other planets, you can start to line that up in your study too. But anyone can look at rising sign, most dominant element and least dominant element and put those things together. So if a client or a person comes in, or maybe it's you who has a Capricorn rising with a dominant earth element and Saturn is in the first house, we would expect more earth heavy body issues to be relevant in our somatic work and maybe in our somatic psychological work. And we'd also maybe complement the good resource orientation about having a connection with the ground and then building support and adaptability around the elemental challenges or the, you know, if there is an over rigidity, the need to hydrate the joints, the synovial fluid, and find ways to integrate sky orientation or space or breath with the celebrated earth preference. So the more balance of the four elements, the more access one generally has to more body systems and the potential harmony of the whole body system, all the elements. So the more lopsided or dominant we are in one system or one element, that's where we can work on opening our functional practices that augment the body systems in that way to be attuned to the things that we may not habitually notice about ourselves and also notice the things that we have a greater preference to. And coming back to that question, so why would we do any of this? If we travel the path of embodiment as a potential to steward a home for the soul, we can picture ourselves as a home or a building. And when we invite a guest in or have family in, we'd like our home to be both structurally sound. That's a nice Saturn world word, but we also want to have plumbing probably and lights and perhaps some comfortable aesthetics like something to sit on or a nice color of a wall. We want we want to make sure there's air circulating in the house, that we have heating and cooling. Um, not to say you can't have a guest at something simple, but, but just for a point of modern reference, when we think of a house and we think of inviting a guest, um, whether you have a large structure or a small structure, what are the total elements? The nourishment is part of it, the things that you're providing, whether that's your time, attention, food, or beverage. So it's not just the house itself. Think of the things that a home space is made out of. It's made up of several homing systems. It's just like our body. And if we're interested in stewarding our soul by our being connection, the process of embodiment can be a practice of personal witness to ask the question that if we cultivate a more functional home, do we have more visitations? or more of a capacity to receive guests or receive the guest of the soul in our body. So we're also thinking about this idea that the soul is something that we receive rather than force a connection with or go out and make, that, that this is a process of reception. So back to the Aquarius and Capricorn rising. For all you builders out there, Capricorn, Aquarius rising, or folks with dominant earth elementals or lots of Capricorn Aquarius placements. Consider your body as a home. 
what systems are needing remodeling or updated if you already have decent support and soundness of structure? And how would you approach the world or choose an embodied practice if you know that you are needing to lean into a new system of thought, movement, or attitude? So the thing about choosing movement practices and, quote, exercise is that we can use functional practices, including exercise and yoga and walking and resistance training, any any physical practice you can name will correspond to supporting one of our systems. And those, you know, overall prescriptive ideas that yoga is for everybody or Feldenkrais is for everyone, or we all got to do Pilates or we should be doing resistance training an hour a day. If you don't take into account the way that your body is formed and already navigating through reality, you wouldn't want to take a hypermobile structure into something that's going to make it more hypermobile. That's like having a water dominant chart and a water dominant rising sign and then going deep into the waters. And at, at some point that ends up being an excessive expression of one of the elementals. So when you're looking out to the world, it might be helpful to just name some things you like to do and write through them and see what kind of element they correspond to. So just as a something to do in between hearing these talks or think about it a minute, if you like to jog, uh, go hiking, do yoga and meditation. So four things. Write down next to them, just with your intuition, what element or elementals do those evoke for you as you are experiencing them. And you can work with the four elements. Um, some systems have five or even more. In astrology, um, or just for this dialogue, think of fire, earth, water, and air. And just start to line up the things that you're doing and see what kind of balance that you have. Because that's going to be helpful as we continue unfolding this journey of the path of embodiment through looking at astrology that intersection of astrology, embodiment, and psychology. So enjoy exploring. Until next time. Until next time, breathe deep, linger long.